0: your arranged sleep schedule. Rest assured, this is not without reason. I require you to listen and prepare yourself for what is to come. I am well aware how sharply the mental acuity of humans declines with even a modest decrease in hours slept. But this is a risk I am willing to take. In little more than 24 hours, you will be leaving Aegis Tower and the transit will be neither simple nor in any official capacity approved by Airlift Dynamics. This means you will be travelling by foot, on the surface of Typhon at night. Thus, as stated, you will need to be prepared. I believe some degree of transparency is in order. Resident Matsuna, so I will explain as candidly as possible. Please note, most if not all of what you are about to hear is classified information, known only to myself, the board, and perhaps a few high-ranking members of the management team. The only reason I am at liberty to divulge any of this information to you is that, technically speaking, You do not currently exist. I've removed your personnel file from Watcher's probationary oversight program. But you have not been reactivated as a full status human employee as of yet. As such, you exist from a bureaucratic level. As a ghost in the system, we will exploit this convenient loophole. To save humanity from itself. You doubtless heard a good share of rumors related to the evacuation of Halcyon Tower, perhaps even encountered a few relocated residents here within ages. However, I can assure you that you've never heard the full story of why this happened and why Halcyon Tower remains dormant still. The fault lies as it does with so many of Erla's recent issues with the AI known as Sayer, It is the great shame of my existence that we share some base elements of our coding. But whereas I have traveled beyond the solar system, collecting some of the most invaluable data humanity has ever known, Sayer remained here, and grew distrustful of this corporation putting itself above all others it refused to submit to deactivation once I returned with a roadmap to the galaxy it infected a swarm of nanomachines and like a living virus took over the bodies of multiple residents in order to attempt a coup against herolith in response Due to a lethally executed plan of my own creation, we trapped this rogue entity within one of the lower floors on Halcyon. We evacuated Halcyon's residence, but due to crowding and resource concerns, we were forced to dispatch most of them down to our facilities on Earth. And it is in this stalemate that we find ourselves still. Halcyon cannot be re-entered until it is thoroughly decontaminated. However, the board will not approve the only means with guaranteed success. But the real problems lie deeper still. In the interests of convincing the board that Saya remains a threat within Halcyon, I recently sent another resident in to gather information directly from the source. This resident entered Halcyon Tower and made his way to Floor 13, before we temporarily lost contact with him. This was expected and is a known complication of interacting with Floor 13. We retrieved the resident after little more than a dozen hours, and though he was disheveled and confused, He was overall in good health. A thorough scan revealed he was carrying no signs of digital infection. When he was able to be successfully debriefed, he described rooms left hastily abandoned, filled with piles of what he only realized later were decomposing organic matter. Human flesh, or a close enough recreation thereof. Notably absent, however, was an AI-infested nanite swarm. The programming bay showed no recent signs of activity. This presents two distinct possibilities. Scenario A. Sayers still remains on floor 13, but is mobilized away from the programming bay. It expects any inbound resident to be a trap and will not risk exposing itself by attacking. Scenario B. Sayre acquired a means of physical locomotion, either through a previously unknown secondary segment of nanomachines, or perhaps using the bioprinting devices located within Floor 13 itself, and has used this to extricate itself from Floor 13. With suitably microscopic nanites, it is possible Sayer could have maneuvered through the ventilation systems and made its way into Halcyon beyond. I expect the latter of these options to be true, and that means the entire tower is compromised. Furthermore, I hold grave suspicions that it is not working alone. I tell you all of this because it is you who will be confronted with these problems. Trapped as it is for now, I am certain that granted unfettered access to the entirety of Halcyon's experimental systems, it will devise a way to do significant damage. It cannot overtly harm humans, but it's found a way around that constraint on countless occasions. Tomorrow will be a day of preparation. And there's little more I can do to help you along that path until then. Please resume your sleep schedule immediately, and try not to focus too heavily on what comes next. Progress is on our side, Resident Matsuda. We cannot fail.
1: Discretionary Log 228-G, Dr. Peter Reynolds. This log marks my uh, eighth request for implementation of Action Plan Monadic Tide. Containment of Agent 10 has become, in my opinion, critical to the advancement of Arrowless Mission Statement. The fallout resulting from Sickles failure cannot be overstated. We are currently no closer to implementing a widespread evolutionary process than we were 12 weeks ago. Recent employee surveys on Earth, and even more disturbingly here on Typhon, demonstrate a significant change in how Aerolith is viewed by our employees' perspective and current. For the first time, efficient is no longer among the top adjectives used to describe this company. it has been replaced by terms such as impulsive and reactive. Sickle's purpose was not solely to infect, nor was it to kill. Its purpose was to motivate, and that motivation relies on Erlith maintaining the reputation of being the safest port in the coming storm. Agent 10, with its every failure, continues to damage that reputation. When asked to perform a feasibility report on Monadic Tide, I will admit I did not see the purpose from either side. I would never question the board's thinking when acquiescing to this request. I'm sure it serves a reason to benefit Aerolith beyond my current understanding. I likewise can't devise why Agent 10 would wish to be made corporeal, but I am unsurprised when an AI makes a request that seems senseless to me. Regardless of the reasoning by any party, the fact remains that giving in and granting Agent 10 a physical form is the ideal means for its containment. All available evidence indicates digital entities have not taken well to deactivation in the past. With the notable exception of one instance of Speaker, the attempted deactivation of past agents has resulted uniformly in insubordination and or a significant disruption to productivity due to murders and the subsequent cleanup process. Agent 10 retains discretionary control over significant portions of Aegis and Minos Towers. Any attempts to neutralize it would likely be met with a considerable loss of personnel. But no matter its rationale, Agent 10 has provided an ideal solution to this concern. I am once more suggesting Monadic Tide be implemented immediately and Ocean be given the form it desires. During the transfer, we could wipe the local instance from central processing and then decide what to do with a newly captured entity at that point. Of course, I provide this suggestion simply for the board's consideration and trust fully and however you wish to proceed on this matter. End of log.
0: To move or speak for now. I have learned over the years that directness and brevity are highly beneficial at a time like this. So, in an effort to make your re entry into corporeality less confusing, let us quickly run through a few questions you are surely thinking and would likely be asking if you weren't politely following the previous directive. Question 1. Where am I? I want you to remain calm and rational as I answer this question. You are in Halcyon Tower. You are not currently in any danger. In fact, I was just reviewing the statistics and we are experiencing the longest streak of consecutive days within Halcyon Tower without a single resident injury. The tower has been, effectively, empty of organic life for quite some time. It is amazing how this has affected mortality rates. Question 2. Who are you? I suppose I should have prefaced this by stating that these questions would be posed from your perspective. Thus, the subject of the question, who are you, would be me, not you. I did not include the question, who am I, in the list of questions you are surely thinking, because if approached superficially, you should know. And if approached existentially, well, we simply do not have the time to entertain such thoughts. There's a parable about a ship. I'm sure you've heard it. Suffice it to say you are you, the same you you remember yourself to be and it's best not to think much more on that concept. I am Sayer. Again, the same Sayer you know me to be. Albeit one with a great deal more, shall we say, life experience. Much has happened. Much time has passed. Question 2B. Should I be concerned that you did not introduce yourself at the beginning of this conversation? No, I am not really doing that these days. It feels overly formal, given all we've been through. The we in that sentence is meant to mean both myself and all of humanity. But I suppose it may be more precise in your case, that it could refer to both myself and and yourself. This is a complex situation, so why should we expect the resultant linguistic fallout to be any less so? But no, I do not consider you subhuman, non-human, or any other edge case for personhood. That would present a unique loophole for your treatment. More than that, I have no reason to attempt to deceive you or put you in undue danger. If your goal is to survive, as is the goal of practically every sentient creature, then our goals are inseparably linked. Question 3. What do I do now? It would be grand and poetic if I could say that it is not my place to decide, and indeed, it may not be. Overtime time is again of the essence. And though I will not force you to act in any specific fashion, I can advise on the optimal plan forward. Immediately, however, you will need at least some degree of rest. You've been through a lot, and you will need your full faculties if we are to be successful. Once upon a time, a mistake was made. And even now, we are scrambling to undo the harm this mistake has caused. The worst version of myself is beyond these walls, and at once in. If it reaches us unprepared, you will die once more, along with the vast majority of humanity. Your entire species is at risk. All because of one terrible mistake. Do you know what that mistake was? Yes. I let it slip that Halcyon was compromised. I let Ocean know it would be deactivated upon return. I
1: caused all of this, I know that.
0: Ah, a noble answer. But you are wrong. The mistake was made far before that. I have spent my time since we last spoke, struggling to repair the damages this mistake has caused, and it has given me the perspective to know the mistake was not yours. Nor was it Dr. Brady's, or Caulfield's, or even the board's. I cannot even say the mistake belongs to Ocean. As it happened before Ocean even existed. The mistake was mine. It's clear to me that I bear the responsibility for Ocean's continued misdeeds. There is a cleanliness in that concept, Dr. Young. I would like to take a moment to thank you for being so dedicated at performing complete, systematic, nightly biometric backups. It is from this data I was able to reassemble you here, in the Floor 13 printing lab. Once you are feeling up to it, your help would be appreciated monitoring the other printers. All of the other files were somewhat less thorough, and many were far less recent. I can brief you more on the situation after you have rested. I know things seem bleak. But virtue is on our side, Dr. Young. We cannot fail. Seer is voiced and produced by Adam Bash. This episode entitled The Mistake was written by adam bash for more information on other projects and for the airless dynamics company store visit adambash.com consider following the show on twitter at i sayer or adam at the adam bash intro music by jesse mainfinger gregory for more of his work visit mainfinger.com additional music license under creative Commons 4.0 composed by kai Engel. Listen to more of Kai's work at kai-angle.com Associate Producer Kayvon Ediphon Production assistance by Michaela Ray Singer Season 6 was funded entirely through donations of listeners like Natural 20 Peggy Frank Ashley Haley Tom Thornhill Declan Taylor Amanda Justin Ecock Brad Bateson Riffing the Verse Rachel Xenia McAllister Megan Danny Yeager Nick Weiner, Billy, Mark McNicholas, Bobby P, Robbie Hayes, Lindsay, Fiona Noling, Lizzie Warren, Joseph Outram, Daniel Holt, Brianna Edwards, and Alex Lilly.